morning, everybody. Uh, here we are, bright, sunny morning. The, the glorious splendor that is LeCompton. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your love. And, uh, God, you have just blessed us immensely. And we appreciate all that you've done for us and all that you are doing for us, God. And we just uh, are grateful today. Uh, and what we ask is that you would uh, break up that fallow ground in us today. God, that, uh, uh, that we would be willing participants, God, in the, the opening of our hearts, Lord Jesus. God, to you. God, letting you say to us exactly what you want to say. God, hearing it how... You have spoken it. God, I, I bind every voice and every thought process that is contrary to You. God, that's contrary to Your people. God, I just I loose Your Spirit in this place today, God, to say exactly what You want to say, to do exactly as You wish to do. God, we just ask it and pray it in Your name. God, prepare this Word. God, and, and plan it in us as only You can. In Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's go to Matthew 12. You know, I uh, after seven months of of waiting and waiting and waiting, I finally got got like a you know the guy in the overalls with Bobcat out there to do the dirt work at my house, which was amazing, and. Uh, uh, you know, the funny thing was, was before I was able to get out there and put some grass seed down and some hay and all that good stuff, it uh, it rained and uh, and then dried out again, and it was so crusty on top. And uh, and there were a few places where he really packed it down, and it had like the little like uh, tread marks from his bobcat in it. And, um, so uh, as anyone my age who doesn't know what they're doing would do. I googled it, and so of course you're supposed to, um, you know, kind of break it up a little bit, and it's kind of they tell you like stir up the like top couple inches of soil. I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening, you know. So I'm out there with a rake, like, you know, ineffectually like picking at this like hard dirt, and trying to break up these like dirt clods that are everywhere, and uh, and I was thinking about that. I was like, man. It's like, man, if you really get hard and crusty, it could be really tough to hear what God has to say. And, uh, and it's funny how you can, you know, you let that, you know, that washing come on you, but then you just kind of ignore it. It's just like, just like that dirt. It's like it got rained on, and then it just dried out, and it was actually harder than it was before. So, um, you know, I think sometimes we come to church over and over and over again, and um, we we don't let it really soak in. We just kind of let it do enough to kind of make the top crusty, and then and then uh, and then go about our way. And uh, the reason, that, of course, that you stir up the soil like that is so that the 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 roots aren't fighting to get down in there once the grass starts to germinate and all that. Um, and uh, so I just thought that was interesting. 
uh, how that uh, how that can happen. Uh, here in, in Matthew 12, uh, I'm, I'm sure that that you've all uh, been feverishly studying the word since Wednesday about about dominion and about deliverance and, and all that good stuff. I did. So, uh, just teasing. If you didn't, no big deal. But uh, uh, you know, there there is a grace period. You can still turn in your homework by Wednesday, and you'll be all right. So, uh, but you know the the you know, dominion is an interesting thing, you know, because you can have a voice or a thought process. Um, that rules your thinking, you know, and and honestly, you could be under the dominion of God, which would be a really great place to be, where where the Word of God informs your thinking, uh, and where your process, your thought process, goes along those lines, and uh, um, and, and you're under His uh, lordship because, of course, He won't drive you; He will lead you. Um, but uh, you can also come under the dominion of an unclean voice, and uh, so I think this is an interesting. This this chapter here is full of a lot of interesting thoughts about that. Uh, so I'm going to start in 22, Matthew 12:22, and there was brought to him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doesn't cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. So, so they, uh, uh, they're, they're saying that, well, so they're conceding that Jesus is casting out these unclean spirits, but they're, uh, but they're saying that the reason that he's doing that that he's able to do that is because he's in league with the devil. So, so of course they have to obey him. And uh, um, and it says Jesus knew their thoughts. And it said every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall his kingdom then stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? So they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? Then he'll spoil the house. So um, so he, he starts talking immediately about um, about the sense of of unity and whose side you're on, and uh, uh, it's an interesting thing because um, verse 25 is kind of one of those things that we—it's kind of one of those knee-jerk scriptures that come to mind about unity and and how we can't stand if we don't have unity in the church. If we're fighting with each other, can't very well fight the enemy, and that's true. But I find it interesting that he is talking about this sense of uh, being able to get rid of this this unclean spirit. Uh, that, that this is his answer, because they're saying that well, it's, it's because it's, you're on the devil's team here. That's why. 
You know, and so so he talks about this sense of division and versus unity here, and you know, obviously one of the things that, that we all know about unity is that there's strength there, and that uh, and so um, one of the first things that that happens uh, when you're dealing with a dominion, I think, is that it starts with a thought, it starts with a voice, and and then you come into agreement with it, and you you come into unity with it, for uh, if you wanted to say it that way, and and it's just like how how we've talked for years around here about you know you can love the truth or you can love a lie, but you're going to love one of them. And and so, um, you know, so oftentimes a thought will come to us, and um, and we we uh, agree with it, and then it's like opening the door. You know, if you were, you know, if you're just chilling out at your house, and there's this like pounding on the door, and there's a guy standing outside with a a machete dripping blood, you're not going to open the door. No one in their right mind would open the door, unless perhaps you had like a Tommy gun or something. But um, you know, of course, you're going to send your wife to open the door. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding because she'll take them out. But um, you know, that's why you know when you get married, you you know you pick a side of the bed, and that is your side of bed until death do you part. You know, and I always chose the side closest or you know furthest from the door in case the boogeyman comes in. It's going to get her first, and you know she can distract it and wrestle with it, and I can escape. So, <laughs> I didn't get very much sleep last night. Um, but uh, yeah, so. So you wouldn't open that door. You wouldn't open the door to the psycho with the machete outside. But he doesn't usually show up that way. He usually shows up like, you know, looking all all fancy. And and there's there's something enticing about that sense of like, hey, that's an interesting thought. And it doesn't even have to be a pleasant thought. It could be something negative. There's something in human nature that um that is usually willing and happy even in a perverse sort of way to accept some sort of negative thought about yourself. It's like, like, well, I'm just a big loser. You know, I should go on the show. I could win because I'm the biggest loser. You know, and it's like, well, you know, and I'm not sure what that is. That that, but there really is that sense in in human nature, and there there can be a very religious bent to that as well. Of it's like, well, you know, I'm just a just a, you know big worthless worm you know and it's like well okay you know i'm i'm not going to argue the merits of you know how how you know worm like or not you are but uh you know in your own side it's fine i think to think that of yourself but you have to understand that your sense of value is not that you know your sense of value comes from jesus died for me and so I must be worth at least that much, um, inexplicably. You know, uh, we watched this movie last night, um, uh, Operation Finale, about the, the Mossad uh, capturing uh, 
uh, Adolf Eichmann, the architect of the final solution, and taking him back to Israel and putting him on trial and executing him. It's a really good movie. But um, there's this uh, interesting moment in it where this guy had really kind of... Uh, he had kind of gotten into this German guy's head and he had kind of gotten into this uh, this Jewish guy's head a bit throughout this movie, throughout this com- these conversations that they have. And um, the, the, the Jewish guy is really bitter about having lost his sister um, during, the, uh, during World War II. And, uh, um, and so he's talking, you know, uh, Eichmann is talking about how they're going to take him to Israel and put him on trial for the entire countries and the entire regimes, you know, crimes and everything. And, and, uh, and, and he talks about how it's like, so, so just me then, you're, you're going to punish just me for, for all of this, this stuff that's happened. That would make me worth six million of your sister. And, uh, and, re- and really gets under the guy's skin. You know, um, so I mean, obviously that's a rather perverse sense of, of self-worth, but but you know that idea of like, wow, you know, what what is what am I really worth? You know, because if you if you really when when you know that you're loved, if you really believe that someone loves you, it makes a difference in how you feel about you. You know, and uh, I think it kind of depends on your background and your upbringing and all kinds of things, how you accept the way people love you. It's like, you know, we had this, you know, really awesome party for Mike and I both turning 40. If you weren't there, you missed an awesome bash, but I understand because it was on a Monday night and it was in the middle of nowhere. But um, uh, but it was really cool. I don't like people making a big fuss out of my birthday. But it was really cool to be there and, you know, have people show up that, and, you know, have that sense of, like, hey, they love me. They showed up, you know. And it's hard for me because it makes me uncomfortable when, you know, people show me appreciation or love or anything like that. It's like, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of makes me want to, I don't know, say something awkward to them and, and, and make them laugh. But... um uh, but when you understand that you know, that that Jesus loves you, then and you really believe that and receive it, then it kind of takes that sense of well, yeah, I would accept some you know terrible thought about what a worthless you know bag of filth that I am. You know, it's like well, no, I, no. it's like well, you know, I, I may not be you know everything that I wish I was, but but He loves me. I don't know why, but He loves me, and that's that's good enough for me. Um, you know, you can also, I mean, honestly, those thoughts can come in any old way. It's like, you know, wow, look at you. You're so awesome. You're so better than everybody else. And, and, uh, you know, it's like you, you could look down your nose at all the peasants, you know, in, in the church. I mean, it could be, it could be anything, honestly. It could, it could, so, I mean, it could have a religious bent to it. It could, it could not. It could be something just like obviously, you know, um, contrary to the Word of God. But the sense of, of accepting and agreeing with it, 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 it does put you in this place where suddenly you're, you're not in unity with the kingdom of God. You're, in, you're coming into this place of unity with, 
with what Satan is doing because you're accepting the things that he, that that he and or his agents or however you want to say that would uh, are, are bringing you to. And so he says in verse 29, or else how can can one enter the strong man's house and spoil his goods except for he first bind the strong man? Then he'll spoil the house. So. So he's talking about getting rid of this unclean spirit. And he's like, in order to do that, you first have to, to be able to bind it up. You know, and all the bluster and bravado in the world can't do that. You, you have to have the Spirit of God. You have to have the, the, the mind of God <coughs> to, to, to deal with that. And uh, you know, in Matthew 17, of course... Um, the disciples go to cast the unclean spirit out of the boy. Won't come out, and uh, and Jesus shows up and uh, and he casts it out. And and they and he they ask why you know why couldn't we cast it out? And he says because of your unbelief. But unbelief is a good word. Um, some other ways that you could put it without doing violence to the translation would be <coughs> excuse me. Um, because of your little faith. It's not the same word that Jesus used when he called Peter little faith, but it's it's a very similar kind of word. Faithlessness, unfaithfulness, all of those kind of all travel together with that word. And uh but but unbelief is an interesting thing because um because you have to you have to believe that authority that and, and that you have to believe that God is going to do this. You know, and and that's why he tells them that this doesn't come out but by fasting and prayer. And so uh, it's not as if you were buying something from God by spending that time with Him, but uh, but it, it pushes your your flesh aside, it pushes your carnal mind aside, it it, it builds up your faith, and and that that's a really important thing. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah, another note I wanted to mention about this, this sense of coming into unity with a voice is that eventually, um, eventually it comes to seem like a friend. You know, because you could agree with somebody and not particularly like them, and uh, but there's there's uh, it, it's like a uh, like a woman trapped in an abusive relationship, and, and like. In that that kind of weird twilighty place between like you know I, I hate this guy and but I love him it's like I couldn't leave but I don't want to stay all that kind of thing um, and and that's when you know you're trapped that's when you know you have you've been snared by this thing it's like well I I hate it but I can't leave uh, because it's 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 familiar to me it's like a friend now it, it's like it's like we're family. And uh, and you don't think about a thought process as being like that, but it can be. Uh, it's like um, and I'm not trying to make this about like a just like some kind of psychological thing, but if, if I'm sure you probably all are familiar with Pavlov's dog. It's like you ring the bell and you feed the dog. You ring the bell, you feed the dog. Eventually, you ring the bell and the dog starts drooling, whether you feed him or no. And and so. Um, you know, a, a thought process or a voice will try to train you that same way. 
and and it takes the the power of God to to break that. Um, so uh, go with me over to Acts chapter nineteen. Uh, Ron mentioned this on uh, on Wednesday, I think it was, uh, in verse um, eleven. Uh, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out from them. And certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon themselves to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's kind of funny to me. It's like, uh, by by Jesus whom Paul preaches. It's like, so what about, do, do you not preach it then? It seems like what 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 would possess you to, you know, Maybe that's not the right word, but what would make you think? <laughs> what would make you think that if you couldn't, if you don't know this Jesus that he's talking about, what would make you think you could use his name to cast out an unclean spirit? Um, and you know, a lot of a lot of what calls itself Christian has has turned a lot of a lot of things about God. They've kind of made his name like this lucky rabbit's foot. And it's like, well, it's like the children of Israel taking the ark with them into battle against the Philistines because they thought, well, surely, you know, God will be, he won't let anything happen to the ark. It's like, surely he will. And because he's not, he's not a lucky charm. And, uh, um, and his kingdom is not about things. It's about, it's about people. It's about the spirit realm. And so, you know, a box that is a type and shadow, you know, is not something he's so worried about. But, but that sense of these guys saying, um, uh, "We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches." And there were seven sons of Siva, a Jew, and the chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, "Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you?" And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Not exactly a really great show for these guys. And and a lot of the a lot of the church does this exact same kind of thing where it's like they 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 use the name of Jesus but there's no power there. Because the thing about Paul was he had he had a relationship with Jesus he had a walk with Jesus and that that these guys didn't have and so you, you know if you you know this is a, a great example of taking the name of God in vain it's like they set out to do this thing in the name of you know with this with the name of Jesus rather maybe not in but with and and they failed and. Uh, but it's an interesting statement that this, this spirit says to them, Jesus I know and, and Paul I know. Because of course he knows Jesus, the captain of the host. Because he knows him from time immemorial. But um, but he knows Paul. And, you know, it's I was reading in the news about um, 
this new this government they're getting set up um, uh, somewhere over in the Middle East, I forget where, one of the places that ISIS had really done a lot of bad stuff, and this one member of the cabinet is a, is a Christian. And they swore him in on a Bible that was like partially burned that had been in this this, uh, this battle that had happened with ISIS or whatever. And I thought, wow, we, we're so soft, <laughs> you know. It's like we, you know, you know, we ha- we have a bad day, bad week. It's like this is not the level of blessing I am accustomed to, you know. And um, you know, and I suppose that's just human nature. But uh, to think, wow, um, you know, Christianity is is a really serious thing. It's not like a not like a social club where we just hang out and 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 go about go about our day. You know, it's like this is this is the, this is life, and. Um, you know, if you if you if you were in trouble, would you want would you want the, the these these guys these vagabond Jews, or would you want Paul on your team? You know, you'd, you'd want somebody who had been there. I've been reading this book, um, Citizen Soldiers, by the guy that wrote Band of Brothers, and um, and he he talks a lot about how. Like there would be guys that were combat veterans, and they would go, they would, they would go through just month after month after month a battle at the front lines, and they would survive because they learned, because they they survived initially, and you would learn a lot from that, and then you uh, would uh, you know have a better chance at surviving the next battle, and then they would bring in replacements to replace the casualties, and that had never been in combat, and then. Uh, and they didn't have the same sense of camaraderie as they had with the guys that were there before. Really didn't fill them in on, on hey, here's some stuff that they that they kind of leave out in training and stuff like that. And then these guys would get killed. And uh, uh, so, you know, if you're if you're in a firefight, you you want the guy who knows what he's doing. You want the guy who's done this before. And uh, so, but it's interesting. It says Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know. You know, Paul said that he'd wrestled with the beast of Ephesus, and that that he had been through those battles before. So, so we don't like. I don't like. Greg does not like going through really tough, uncomfortable, gut wrenching battle turmoil things. But that's how you get to be listed in that Jesus I know and insert name here I know. You know, and that, that's how you get your name on a wanted poster in the spirit realm, and, uh, and that's a good thing. That's what you want to have happen. And uh, um, and that, you know, as I said, it's not a fun thing. But you know, the great thing is, is God puts you in a place where you don't. You just kind of have to. Yeah, that's the, one of the most brilliant things is God. Like He, He doesn't make you do anything, but He, uh, I mean, He obviously expects obedience, but He's not going to force you to do something. But He, He puts you in these places where you, you know you'd like to just quit. It's like like a woman in labor. You know, you'd like to just quit now. It's like, can I just take a break? You know, I I, I changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, all that kind of stuff. You don't have any choice. It's like, well, you're going to have to now, and uh, and you know we we go through things in life that are like that, 
a um, little warning from Uncle Greg here. Uh, in 2014, uh, I was reading in Daniel, and I read about how he, uh, you know, they, there's the writing on the wall with the hand and everything, and the king is all afraid. And the queen says, well, you know, there's a, there's a Hebrew here, a Jew here that, uh, you know, he's a dissolver of doubts, among other things that she says about him. And that phrase really struck me. Like a dissolver of doubts. Because, you know, have you ever just had a, an inexplicable problem that just felt like your life was ending or spiraling out of control and you needed somebody with the, the, the Spirit of God and the wisdom of God that could point you in the right direction and, and let you know that this is here, there is a way through this, you're going to be all right. You know, and I thought, man, wouldn't that be like the best job ever? You know, to, to get to, to be that person that, um, you know, that, uh, that could help people. You know, not because, not because you were some great thing, but because you'd had, you've had that experience where you needed somebody and they had the answer. So I thought, man, and so I prayed. I was like, God, I want to be a dissolver of doubts. And didn't think any more of it. And in 2015, the next year, uh, things were falling apart at home. Things were falling apart at work. Everything in my life was in flames. And I, I mean, I felt like some days I felt like the guy standing, like the guys on the Titanic playing "Nearer God to Thee" while this the thing is sinking. You know, and um, you know, and, and it was honestly, it was like. It was like being at the front lines of a of a war. It was like there there was no real respite. It's like all day long at work, it's warfare. I go home all day all evening long, warfare. And and it was I wanted to quit. I, I was like I, I'm done now. I'm like waving my white flag, you know. But it doesn't make it stop. You know that's the interesting thing, and that and that happened a lot in World War II. Also, guys would they would go to surrender and then they would get shot. And uh, so God is wise about putting us in places where you really can't quit. It's like, what are you going to do? And so, uh, so God's, God's wise in how he does that. Because then you come through those experiences that you would have never, ever, 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 ever chosen to go through. Uh, but having come through them uh, with God as your comfort, with God as your answer, and the things that he accomplishes in your life when he when you go through those places, you wouldn't take it back for anything. And uh, and plus, you don't want to be the only guy sitting around the campfire, you know, while everybody's showing off their battle scars and stuff. It's like, I, I stubbed my toe once pretty bad. And it was like, you know, I was limping for like five minutes, you know. You, you don't want to be that guy. Like, you want to be like, there I was, you know, surrounded. You know, and... Uh, um, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, so let's see here. Uh, I'm going to, back in Matthew 12, go back over there with me if you would. Uh, I'm going to skip down to uh, 33. I'm not trying to leave anything out, but uh, just to uh, kind of get this moving. Uh, so Matthew 12, 33, he says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they'll give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. Excuse me. So one of the things that's really interesting about this, excuse me, is I always kind of think of this as like a, this is a real, you know, kind of a watch how you talk kind of passage. And it is. But there's something else here when you look at the context of what he's talking about here. Because he's talking, he was just talking about this like, casting out of unclean spirits and things like that. And then and he, and he goes into this, you know, talks about blasphemy against the Holy Ghost and stuff. That's the stuff we kind of just skip past for time's sake. Um, but he says, um, basically what he's saying here in these five verses is... Uh, your the things that come out of your mouth reveal your thought process. You know, I mean, because you know you can polish it up and 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 you know say everything right in front of people, but you know if you get enough stimulus, you you'll say what you actually think. You know, and um, and and besides that, sometimes you don't even need that much stimulus. You know, it's like just take a day and like listen to yourself. Uh, you know, uh, like Mike was talking the other day about how he uh, he looked back through his diary from years ago, his journal, and it was just just despair and fear and turmoil and all this stuff. And then God took him through this like horrific like thing that he would have never chosen to go through. And then it's like, and then he like looks through his journal now, and it's like it's all about the power of God and, and God getting the stuff done, and and how He changes things. And that's what God does. And so, so he can he could just look at his journal and see how his thought process changed, and, and he could pinpoint this little period of time where it happened. And uh, so, uh, the reason that I think that's interesting that he puts that here is because uh, sometimes these things come in so sneaky to try and trap you that that you don't really notice that it's happening, and so. You know, so by the, you know, you can listen to yourself talk, and uh, you know, ask ask your best friend, ask your your spouse. It's like, how do I talk? Do I talk like hopeful, like victorious, or and do I talk like I'm afraid and defeated? You know, and you know, and be honest, because it it really is super enlightening, because nobody wants to find out actually. You know, the way I talk is pretty defeatist. I'm pretty afraid and pessimistic about I'm just hoping to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. And if that's how you, if if that's your thought process, you know, that's an unpleasant moment to come to. But it's a really good moment to come to and a very necessary moment to come to because you don't want that thought process. It's destructive. And so it, it's human nature to hide away from those things. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to see that, you know, and uh, uh, but uh, but seeing that, you know, if uh, because if you have come under a place of where this thought process really does have dominion over over your thinking, then uh, you, you want to you'd, you'd want to know about it. You'd want to realize, hey, this wow, this thing isn't God. 
Because the longer it hangs around, the more it seems right. Because the more familiar it becomes. And, uh, and, and so then you, what you, you want to have God's Word show you. It's like, actually, that's not it. This, this, is, this is what my Word says. You know, so, uh, just a few more things here. Um, again, for time's sake, I'll just skip down to 43. Uh, in, in fact, I'm not really quite sure exactly what this other passage has to really even do with what, what he's talking about here. But in 43, he says, When the unclean spirit's gone out of a man who walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll return in, into my house from whence I came out. And when he's come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. And then goes he and takes, takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be with this wicked generation. So, uh, so God is, is giving a warning here about... You don't want to just, you don't want to have an unclean spirit cast out and then have nothing, nothing of the spirit of God to fill in that void, because, uh, because if you, you know, if you put God in the house, in in place of that voice, then when the voice comes back, and they find out that He's there, it's like, oh, well, wrong house. You know, I was just going. Excuse me, and uh, and so uh, and so, you know, the sense of seeing the thought process that he was talking about in this last passage over to here, it's like you you have to see that that dominion. You have to see that thought process for what it is, and that's an ugly, unpleasant moment in your life. But it's a really great thing, and. Um, and I can tell you that, that being free from that would be far, far better than any sense of, of humiliation or embarrassment or awkwardness or uncomfortableness or anything else that you might think of that would say, well, no, I, I gotta, gotta, you know, gotta hang on to precious. You know, it's like, no, well, I don't need to hang on to precious. But, uh, and so there, there's this sense here between these two passages of if that that I, I want to set you free from this stuff, but but you've got to have this space filled up then with me, filled up with my word. It's like it's like coming in and making fortifications. It's like I'm gonna it's like we're gonna build the wall, we're gonna repair the gates, uh, we're gonna man the guard towers with like you know like machine guns and all kinds of cool stuff. And 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 it, nothing is getting in here, and so because because what he says here is in verse 45 is that if if you don't have that God filling up that space, then you're going to be in worse shape uh, because there's nothing like it, it would be like um, it'd be like let's go back to the you know the woman in the abusive relationship. It would be like you're leaving. And and you know she's got another house somewhere else. She's all set up, living her life, and and then uh, you know uh, you know Bozo the woman beater shows back up again and knocks on the door and she's like, oh hey come on in. No 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 no, 
No, because now she's in worse shape than ever before because she tried to leave and she didn't. She just let him come right back. And so um, you, you, you've you got to have the Word of God take up that, that, that place in your thinking. And sometimes it's a retraining thing. Sometimes you have to have uh, it's like, it's like okay, when this happens, this is what I think. When this happens, this is what I do. And sometimes you need to have the Word of God say, actually, when that happens, you should be doing this. And when, and when you think this, this is what you should be thinking. And uh, so, um, you know, and then just to, to go back briefly to uh, that sense of, of wrestling that, that Paul I know and Jesus I know. Um, you'll go through those places like we talked about where you would have never ever wanted to go there. But you come out of those places having wrestled with the thing and God brings you victory over it. And it's And you understand when you come to that place it's not not because you figured it out. It's not because you had some kind of, you know, bravado or or power to, to do something about it because you understand that the Spirit of God brought you through it, brought you victory through it. And, and He's the... Any power that you have comes from Him. But we, we work in partnership with Him to, to do those things. And so that, that sense of unity, coming into that unity with Him in those things um, really makes all the difference in the world. So, uh, Jesus, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank you and praise you for uh, all that you are and all that you do. And God, I just I pray that you would um, just plant your word inside of us. God, that you would shine the searchlight of your presence on on every heart. God, shine it on my heart. God, every every voice, uh, every thought process that isn't uh, from you, that's not from your word. God, uh, God, let us see it. God, let us let us hear it for what it really is. God, and I, what I pray is that that Your Word and that Your power would make the difference, God, that Your Spirit, God, would bring that, that sense of deliverance, God, at the appointed hour, uh, wherever it's needed, God, and that, that Your presence would come in to, to fill up that void, God, uh, that we would be safeguarded against um, the, the inevitable counterattacks of the enemy. God, I pray it in Your name. God, that You would... Bring that victory as only you can in every heart and in every life. God, today, I just pray that every heart and every need in this place, God, would be met by you. God, you are intimately acquainted with every thought and with every every heart and desire in this place. God, and you know what we need today. And we, we've come, not because it's Sunday morning, but we've come to, to get what we need from you. And if we don't know what we need, God, you know what we need. God, and so we're coming expectant to receive that very thing that you have for us. God, I just pray that you would have perfect preeminence in this place today. God, just lead us and guide us as only you can. And, and uh, do what you do in this place today. Glorify your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen.